0: Hello,
1: Orbit. Hello. So it's been a while since we've had an episode, and it may have seemed to you like this feed was just completely silent and there was no hope of it coming back to life again. But we actually have been working behind the scenes on something really special here. You see, nine months ago or so, playwright Ellen Bram reached out to me and told me she'd been keeping a diary all throughout COVID. She asked if I'd be interested in helping make something out of this diary, some kind of audio project. And of course I said yes. And she went to work refining her concept, interviewing her family, and putting it all together. And now here we are. We're going to start releasing episodes starting today, and there's going to be five of them. So, it's a pretty exciting project, and I'm absolutely honored to be a part of it. So, uh, the voices you're going to hear today belong to Ellen, of course, and her sister Andrea, her mother Beth, her husband John, her uncle Hank, and her son Des. And, you know what, I'm just going to get out of the way here. There's not much more for me to add. So, without further ado, here's Blackout Time Passes. This is Episode One Spring.
0: January first, twenty twenty. In the new year, more joy, more engagement. More living like the world ends tomorrow.
2: I remember hearing about a new alarmingly severe pneumonia probably at the very end of December of 2019. I was traveling a fair bit, January, February, to scientific conferences and workshops and that kind of thing. The scientists were a little bit nervous, like, is this going to be our last? I mean, people, people knew that if this got out of control in a way that SARS in 2003 did not, if this got out of control, it could really have global implications. The turning point in my apprehension was... <laughs> when I saw what life in Wuhan was like. When that was, that probably was early February, mid-February, something like that. And that was when I started thinking I really shouldn't be doing all this traveling. (laughs) Right? It sort of was dawning on me. I did continue for another couple of weeks, but um, it was when I saw the way they had people in hazmat suits spraying disinfectant on the roads and sidewalks. Um, it's like, wow, they wouldn't be doing that <laughs> unless they really, unless they knew that this was a super transmissible and quite severe infection. It wasn't until March that I took my last trip to a, to give a seminar. I went to Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and we all knew. Like, I gave a talk about infectious diseases, and I said, I know we're all really thinking about infectious diseases right now. You know, sort of part of how I introduced my talk was talking about that. And I really felt that that was going to be my last trip for a while. And sure enough, I haven't been on a plane since.
3: My first clue that something was going on was when I was at King Supers. And I don't remember exactly when this was, but it was before everything shut down. It might have been late February. And the person in front of me bought $400 worth of groceries. And I thought, huh, is there something, something I don't know about?
0: March 11th. Pandemic declared, hands raw from washing, haven't seen parents in over a week. NBA, MLB, NHL seasons on hold. Broadway shuttered. St. Patrick's Day party canceled. Do you remember when I called you to see if we should cancel our St. Patrick's Day party? Do you remember that exchange? I remember it so vividly, like where I was standing, what I was looking at. You know, It was very weird. And I just remember, because you're so um, measured, especially when you're wearing your science hat, but do you remember when I asked you what emotion you were feeling right now? Do you remember what you said? No. You said Dread. March 14th. The cancellation of the party we've held in one form or another since 2005 didn't really hit me until now. Looking at the soft, gray, cold, springish evening, it suddenly felt like the house should be full of happy people. So far, the most surreal element as we move into the second day of widespread social distancing More surreal than the empty shelves, more surreal than Jazzercise being half empty, no longer using weights or any equipment that might be a vehicle for the virus, more surreal than not hugging my parents, was a brief glimpse of the Friday night smackdown on Fox, which was being conducted without an audience. Row upon row of empty blue folding chairs looking on as the two wrestlers threw and stomped each other. How much more stilted the choreography seems when the press of the crowd is absent you could hear every word of the scripted shit-talk, every creak of the rope and the mat. When one of the judges leapt up on the table to perform a brief ballad on his guitar, it distracted one of the wrestlers, allowing his opponent to climb up on the ropes and perform a perfect swan dive right onto his crotch. So hard to believe it all. Are the scenes in Italy doctors choosing who gets a ventilator and thereby lives, and who dies, even real?
3: I really became aware on the 13th of March, because I had a haircut that day, and I know Desmond came home from school, and he wasn't going back, and I think things basically in Colorado shut down on the 13th of March, or right around there. So then I thought, well, okay, Everything that I
0: touch, anything I touch, could infect me. Waiting for a blizzard that never comes, as Hannah wrote on Facebook today, the sun shone, the cold wind blew, the crocuses lifted their bright heads.
2: I don't work very closely with Chinese colleagues, but I I have close friends and colleagues who do. And they also know people who work for the Chinese CDC. And so I felt we had good sources of information when those people were worried, the people in the Chinese CDC were worried. So yes, we could see the wave, the information was richest in China, and then then Italy was adding information, and then ultimately was here, very New close York. to here, yeah. New York, New Jersey became the epicenter by April.
0: March 16th, all bars and restaurants closed for dine-in customers, ski resorts closed, group gatherings with more than 10 people strongly discouraged. Dumb fuck president on the television giving himself a 10 out of 10 for his response to the pandemic, saying things might be better in July or August. I made Des come with me to the grocery store today, knowing he would find it incredible, and he did. No toilet paper, no lettuce, no eggs, one loaf of sad Sarah Lee wheat the last loaf of bread on the shelf we bought horseradish and easter candy and were almost giddy as we checked out the checker with her false eyelashes and her heavy misaligned lipstick cursing the president under her breath how long who can tell stop racing hard jesus talk about no control nothing John drawing next to me in bed, penciling, erasing, penciling, erasing, makes the bed jiggle ever so slightly and drives me fucking insane. Report from the UK says without containment measures, two million people will die in the United States. Doesn't sound like much. Sounds like a lot. Two million souls. Will it happen? Is it happening? March 18th. A hard day. The reality setting in of one month, four weeks of no school. John and I on battling conference calls in adjacent rooms. Utter lack of solitude. Dirty dishes piled in the sink. I know we're the lucky ones. I know. I know. But today was a hard day. March 23rd. I sleep in one to two hour stretches and dream so vividly coronavirus infiltrates in ways subtle and not so subtle. I dreamt I was talking to my dog and confessed I missed him. The old him, I guess. When a large fat man, smiling and dressed in white, came dancing toward me, spinning his arms wide. He came right up to me, spinning, spinning, and scraped me with the tip of his ragged fingernail, whereupon I let loose with a string of invective, don't fucking touch me. Large, smiling, spinning, fat man equals Coronavirus? stay-at-home order was declared yesterday for Denver, beginning at 5 p.m. today. At first, liquor stores and recreational marijuana shops were to be closed, but the city reversed its course. Today is Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. March 25th. Statewide lockdown. Basketball hoops blocked by chains and loops of yellow caution tape. Another warm, windy spring day the park full of wary-eyed walkers. Every inch of street parking filled all day, every day, like a Sunday morning. Over 119,000 cases, 2,000 deaths.
2: I guess the most striking things are how silent it became. You know, we live not very far from flight paths for Newark Airport and (laughs) even just seeing the plane traffic, even if we can't hear them, we can't always hear them. It's always super busy above us because we're in in the Northeast Corridor, right? But it was silent.
0: March 27th. Should I write the play? Should I not? Nothing in me wants to, but I would feel better if I did. Another day, a Friday. Ate pizza, played a board game where everyone in the town was falling ill and slipping into comas. Watched an episode of The Expanse where people were being tested for a mysterious illness brought on by a sinister, crackling blue light.
3: You know, as a retired person who didn't have such a structure, I mean, I didn't have work I needed to do just around the house and, you know, keeping the household running, Um, not going out. I went out almost every day to go exercise and as part of the exercise group there were people i didn't even know their last names some of them but we would chat and talk about what was going on and of course i was trying to find people who were of the same political bent i was <laughs> we would whisper or talk in low tones of voice you know because you don't know who's who's out there but you know so i don't know what's become of some of those people
4: You know, I feel obviously feel bad for all the people who got sick and all the people who lost their lives, and um, for all the people who lost their jobs. But I was really fortunate. I was able to work from home, and I'm already kind of an introverted person, so in a way, I really thrived. Um, I really loved being at home and seeing you guys seeing my wife and kid every day throughout the entire day i didn't have to commute to work so that was like another hour and a half or two hours that i would normally use to commute to work that that i got back you know and i could use however i wanted to use um yeah so so it really so during that time when I was working from home, it was it was great. I, I really um, I really thrived. I thought during that time, despite what was going on outside.
0: March twenty eighth, almost a month ago, I heard a woman named Nancy Massanier on NPR. She was from the CDC. She said we should prepare for major disruptions of our lives. Did I believe her? No canned tomatoes or spaghetti at the grocery store today, but I scored on kitty litter and the last bag of tortilla chips. When I arrived two minutes after opening, I forced myself to glide serenely and smilingly behind my cart to the paper products aisle, saw the woman in front of me put the last package of paper towels in her cart. Saw two women at the park today walking along with six feet of measuring tape extended between them. April 1st. Two days in a row where we played badminton just before sundown. A highlight. Death and mayhem do lurk. They do. And they permeate everything. Someone who tested positive at one of our houses immediately started spitting in people's food. Coughing on people. In Greeley, an older man, was sent to jail, caught the virus, was released, and promptly died. Hassan said he feared what might happen if certain people are released from prison into this chaos. They will revert to being predators. If they're given nothing, they'll take what they need. UN head warns of global local unrest, and says this is the greatest challenge humankind has faced since World War II. Stockpile of emergency medical supplies nearly gone. The Javits Center in New York City converted to a field hospital. The red pulsing heat on the virus map creeps inward from the coasts, outward from the little nucleus that is Denver, grows day by day. The sun shines. The grass turns green. The birds sing and sing.
2: What scientists did straight away was... Especially immunologists was to start having online seminars, and I attended those. A lot of them that I attended were held in London, broadcast from London, and they'd be at you know six a.m. or something here. But I would, I would routinely get up and and watch them because it somehow it did make me feel better to learn more about the virus, right? So it was sort of a constructive thing to do was to learn more about the virus, and it, eventually by maybe by April first week of April or so, I had joined a collaborative group having weekly discussions of what was going on, what we were learning. So normally the process of publishing a piece of science requires peer review, and it takes a long time. But during the pandemic, the use of what's called preprints, which is not peer reviewed, but basically you make it like a paper as if it had been peer reviewed, and you put it out there for the world to see that has really come into vogue and it's been essential because it lets people really really quickly share findings and so this group that i was gathering with we would discuss the latest preprints and now there have been like forty thousand or something preprints (laughs) it's a crazy number that nobody could keep up with but in the beginning we could all keep up right we could all read everything and talk about talk about it together so anyway so i had a i had a nerd reaction i guess Um, That was one of my most constructive things.
0: April 3rd. School canceled for the rest of the year. CDC strongly suggests we wear masks in public. I am bored by the relentless topicality of my dreams.
5: At the beginning of that, I was happy. I was happy because if you remember anything, which I'm sure you do, um, I was hating that school year up until that point. Uh, our class was just the worst, and everybody else was just the worst, and I was getting mistreated by people, and I was uh, getting kind of berated by people, and I was being stereotyped by a lot of people, and every everybody was being was being uh, stereotyped by this by this one group of uh, group of people, and so I, I, the first couple of weeks I was happy, but then it got to the point where like holy cow, this is a bigger issue than it actually seems, and I should start not worrying about the fact I'm going to go to school, but worrying about the fact that I'm not going to go to school anytime soon.
0: April 8th, a weird, disconsolate day. Felt so radically wrong to be making the familiar Easter foods on a weekday afternoon. We celebrated early because we can only gather outside, and the forecast for Sunday is terrible. terrible. A weird series of distinct, sometimes very brief moods. Rage, utterly adrift. That strange, unfamiliar giddiness that is entirely a product of a strange time. Though, as I write this, I do remember feeling that before. Usually when someone is hospitalized, dying, or recently dead. That hysterical lightness. Remember getting drunk at a strip mall Italian restaurant after Patty's wake. Spilling red wine down the front of my shiny gray blazer. That incredible lightheartedness. sometimes I feel it so intensely like my heart is literally floating up my windpipe. April 10th. Two people died at Bridge House this week, one participant and one staff member. Judy sent me a picture of the participant who died, and the photo of him smiling, wearing his chief's hat. I can't stop thinking about it. April fifteenth The question is what meaning will it all have eventually? Will these measures be enough? Will they come to be seen as arcane as Victorian's believing illness was borne in on the night air? April sixteenth snow pretty much all day with just a few moments where the sun burned through. All the blossoms froze over the weekend, the peach trees on the western slope heavy with stalactites of ice as thick as wrists. Bored with my thoughts. Chores? Endless dishes? The rough spots on my fingers that won't heal? Am I a good person? I feel guilty a lot, but that doesn't make me good, just aware of my shortcomings. April 20th. Governor announced today that things will start opening up next week, despite the continuing lag in testing. On the phone with Uncle Hank yesterday, I said that I was afraid we were going to have to learn things the hard way. He replied that learning things the hard way means people, old people, minorities, dying. Meaningful words coming from a libertarian. Saw an ad on Nextdoor for free perennials, so Des and I headed over to South Claremont where a bright-eyed woman with short gray hair sat on the front stoop, her yellow and black budgie perched up on her shoulder. While she dug up irises and flocks for me, she set the budgie, Brendan, on my right shoulder. He was so light, so quiet, his gentle toes, the lightest pressure on my shirt. I hadn't been so close to a stranger, person or bird, in weeks and weeks, over a month. The woman, Diana, who had the mien of a nun or some other cheerful holy person, was serene, unbothered, flipping through her plant ID book, looking for an unfamiliar specimen she had just discovered. April 25th, dreams of going to the theater, a down-market adaptation of A Winter's Tale, elbowing my way down a hallway crammed with people. The dream was all about crowded street corners, stores, elbow-to-elbow tiny black-box theaters. It provided some interesting measure of relief. Thanks, subconscious, for real. Trump suggested yesterday, or the day before, that ingesting disinfectants might kill the coronavirus, and the subsequent outcry led to an announcement tonight that he'll be putting an end to the daily briefings because they're not worth the effort. Do you remember a point where you and your scientific colleagues, whatever, do you remember a point where you realized, oh shit, this is becoming a political football?
2: Oh, very early, you know. The ex-president, Trump, um, very early, for sure in March, because I remember him saying it was going to be over by Easter. Him assuring everybody it was going to be over by Easter. Um, by then it was very clear um, that it was being politicized first by him, right? And then th- then others would follow as soon as he did that. Today, the 23rd of April, um, turns out is the one year anniversary of the Light and bleach in the body as remedies. That was a year ago today.
3: When people started calling it a hoax, <laughs> and uh, a lot of people uh, around just uh, didn't believe that it was uh, anything serious, just a common food that we've had, uh, and uh, the referred a lot to SARS
5: right right
3: uh, food whatever that you know and that that was just something that was normal
0: so you knew people you 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 know quite a few people who think it was a thought it was a hoax Oh or? yeah
3: <laughs> doctors <laughs> school teachers uh-huh. oh yeah
0: doctors so here here in need oh, like yeah. well in
3: longmont huh doctors that still haven't got vaccinated.
2: And then when the CDC, Redfield at the CDC, was just playing along with it, that was the worst, actually, because I guess I expected Trump to do that. But if the CDC had stood strong, the way the NIAID did, the way Fauci did throughout, if Redfield had done the same it would have been more tolerable because I would have felt, well, at least the scientists are doing their job. But when CDC got tainted with the politics of it, I, I honestly, that was as, as much a cause. Co- in fact, that stressed me out more than being locked down, for sure. Like <laughs> Coping with all the weirdness and awkwardness and supply chain problems of lockdown, the work disruptions, Life disruptions, fine. That is all more manageable than seeing um, the science get squashed under a bunch of stupid politics.
0: April 29th. The days unfold so alike, so very alike. Sometimes that I nearly forget to write in here, thinking I already commemorated this evenly warm and placid, unremarkable day that is so similar to yesterday. But yesterday was a little too hot, wasn't it? With a hard, dry, restless wind. And today I was in the front yard during the eight o'clock howl. It came from the north first, like the wave at a sporting event, before gently rippling onto East Montana Place. I howled a little, standing there with my watering can, found myself self-conscious. I howled better from the backyard or just inside the front door.
3: And then the only regularly scheduled event during all that time was garbage day on Thursday when we had to put the barrels out. So I knew what day Thursday was, but otherwise it was kind of difficult to keep track of the day of the week or the month. Time was just flowing
0: on. April 30th, a stupid exhausted day Feeling blunted, helpless, unintelligent. Tammy mused on the phone that so much of who we are is formed by our social interactions. Who am I becoming? Just pictured a bowl of partially set jello. The bowl breaks, the jello slips out onto the counter in a wobbly puddle. I am the jello. This is the beginning of the economic fallout, they say. Tens of millions of people will slip back into poverty, they say. Don't get too excited about the 8% drop in carbon emissions, they say, because when things come back, polluters will pollute like never before. One million sick in the U.S., 60,000 dead. Trump and his dead-eyed son-in-law call it a triumph. A triumph of what? I have never once, never once, seen our neighbor take his pretty brown and white dog for a walk. I wish I could steal her. I guess I could.
2: There are very few perks of this pandemic. One is that I, I'm talking to you more than I, um, than I normally do for no good reason, right? We could have been doing this all along, right? Um, but another perk is that scientists are ignoring international boundaries and the interests of nations in working together in very profound ways. Yeah, and I think that's why we got... Vaccines, speedily, Um, you know, there have been fruits of that scientific collaboration. Again, nerd response. Dig in, figure out what the heck's going on.
0: May 2nd. An evening thunderstorm. The leaves on both the ash and the maple finally emerge brilliant, electric in their paleness. The Cassandra of coronavirus predicts three years of fairly radical abnormality that may resolve then into a new normal, as we did post-9-11-2001. Someone, me, please come up with a new phrase to replace the new normal. What does it mean to be someone who writes primarily for live performance under the new normal substitute catchphrase? May 3rd. Just remembered one of last night's dreams, gasping and gasping for breath. Today would have been Des's spring choir concert. He would have worn his shiny shoes and his bow tie and would have been happy afterward, proud, ready for a special dinner. There's an alternative universe where that happened today, where he'll play flag football in the heavy afternoon light on Tuesday evening, where John is getting ready to go to Moldova, where we're planning Andrea's 50th birthday celebration in her hometown. May 4th, dread, heaviness. Too cold and windy to engage in backbreaking outdoor labor, so I sit and eat two Klondike bars one after another and think about the great unknown expanse up ahead that is the future. I almost said it was featureless, but it is not. It is just unknown. May 7th, cool and breezy evening. Video uncovered of a black man murdered by white men while jogging through his neighborhood in Georgia. May 9th, a dream about children infected with a malevolent glowing material clearly derived from the expanse. I knew that the threat had not been eradicated. They knew how to eradicate the threat but had to wait till the next episode to do so. I looked back down a dark stairway and saw Des sitting with his back to me, his face in profile, a mercury glow suffusing his face. May 10th, Mother's Day, usual picnic at Bar Lake. Orioles, goldfinches, meadowlarks, a huge grouping of giant white birds, pelicans maybe, wheeling far above us. I asked Des if he remembered what Daw used to be like, and he said, yes, then one day he changed. Many, many hundreds of days led to one critical day, maybe, and then he changed, and all that power leaked out of that strong man body. Sunday night blues. Why is it so quiet tonight? Just me on the front stoop at dusk, a few noisy birds in the trees on the opposite side of the street, the highway sound always. How pretty the tiny new leaves are on our doomed ash tree. Suddenly, gently, the veil drops and I want to scream at the top of my fucking lungs. Claustrophobia and despair. Sunday nights. May 12th. To be clear, I mostly hate wearing a mask and inhaling my own hot breath and having my allergy-afflicted nose pressing a damp spot into the cloth. However, I enjoy not having to worry about having a pleasant expression on my face, and I don't hate it enough to engage in civil disobedience, as various people across the country have. They say we could contain it if 80% of the people wore masks properly. Or maybe it would be 80% contained if... I don't know. May 15th. Cool gray-green evening, the sound of someone's table saw drifts through the open window. A little thunder, a few raindrops, good times for dinner, fucking delicious. Trees almost fully leafed out. I have a stupid tan on my ankles from going to the park to play football in cropped jeans. The days have been so cool and perfect, I forget how high the sun is in the sky now. The commercial realtors are deeply concerned about the future of America's downtowns. What will our downtowns become? Hollowed out, stripped to the studs, high-rise squatter's dens? Gardens so lush they rip the walls down, warp the ironwork? Ceilings collapsed under the weight of root vegetables upstairs? Or will each abandoned great skyscraper become a perch for a sniper? Or a giant ape? A glowing radioactive alien intelligence? There's a feeling this country is changing, transforming grotesquely morphing into something better or worse. Will it collapse? We might not notice. Has it already? May 19th. The governor says the schools will meet in person in the fall, but sometimes I wonder, well... It would be great if Des could have the proper experience, a locker, after school clubs, stopping by Safeway on the way home to buy candy, but i like to have him close too. Asking me questions, eating lunch with me, walking behind me while I'm on a conference call, and drawing his fingers through my hair.
5: I was also looking forward to continuation. At uh, Bradley, at the end of the year, the fifth graders played kickball against the teachers. That's not going to happen anymore. Um, uh, I was glad to miss a uh, state testing, but generally before te- uh, state testing, we played a basketball game against the teachers. Um, so those were kind of things that I kind of missed.
0: May 20th. Dez has a pain in his chest today, a mysterious dull ache that worsens when he breathes. No fever, no cough, no upset stomach or persistent flush or the red eyes that are a hallmark of the weird COVID-19-related inflammatory disease that only seems to affect children. No fever, no cough, no upset stomach, right? It just hurts. When I put my hand on him, it was shocking how prominent his bones are. When John heard Dez's chest was hurting, he abandoned his game of Titanfall and rushed upstairs and put his giant hand on that bony chest and laid his ear against Dez's heart and listened. May 22nd, John went to the Capitol today to get everything set up for the session to resume on Tuesday, platforms to allow for remote testimony, etc. Keep thinking about those wide, smooth brass banisters, the finial knobs, grapefruit-sized and worn utterly smooth by decades of hands. I loved running my hands along those banisters as I huffed my way up the north staircase. I suppose they were always teeming with germs can't get excited about him going into a building with a bunch of people who think the virus isn't real. They should all be forced to share a microphone, the no-maskers, so the little cloud of freedom-loving pathogens are more concentrated.
4: I'm there doing the, the TV coverage of the House and Senate while, while they're in session. Um, when they came back, there were a few of the legislators, a few of the senators who were reluctant to wear masks, even on the Senate floor. And I remember, so they came up with this precaution um, to try to prevent the spread of COVID. They put these <laughs> these like little condom things on the microphones at, at, in, on the well. And so every time uh, one of the senators who refused to wear a mask would, would uh, come up to speak. They would have to stop the proceeding. A sergeant at arms would go up there, take the condom off and put a new one on. <laughs> and then wipe down, wipe down the lectern or whatever you call it, the podium. Wipe it down with alcohol. And, and so, so the proceedings were constantly being interrupted by these people who refused to wear masks on the floor. Eventually they got tired of doing the condom thing. So they just switched to using alcohol wipes on the microphones and they're using them so often that the, the microphones were, you know, kind of st- started to sound like they're underwater.
0: May 24th, cold and rainy. The grass instantly electric green, the pea plants growing before my eyes, the instant I stop streaming TV shows, a raw emptiness seems to open up inside me. Maybe that's the space where theater normally lives. I pulled so many weeds, planted seeds, cooked and cooked, sawed and sawed, branches dead and alive, and jammed the spade into the ground, displacing and remolding the earth, making it something else. May 25th. In the dream, I was at a crowded house party, maskless, wandering among strangers and vague acquaintances, wondering why I was risking infection for these people. I didn't even know when there were so many people I love who I haven't seen in so long. A shirtless bro stumbled in front of me, making so little effort to maintain social distancing that I bit him on the shoulder, hard. He had a small tattoo there. He tasted of salt. May 26th. Safer at home order extended through June. 98,000 dead. Texas woman, whose minister died of COVID-19, quoted in the Washington Post as saying she will never comply with another stay at home order, even if there is a resurgence. Once is enough.
2: I think I was foolishly naive in many ways. I, I would not have thought our behaviors would be still so incredibly disrupted. Part of that is, of course, because of mismanagement, global mismanagement. If people had managed better in many, many countries, we probably would be closer to normal now.
0: May 28th, today as I left the post office after mailing Andrea's birthday present, two young white men approached, one wearing a mask, one not, And as they approached the front door, which bore a sign saying masks required or do not enter without a mask, the unmasked guy threw his head back, laughed like a cartoon of someone laughing, and flipped off the security cameras with both middle fingers.
2: I think I thought it would be sort of six months or something. I did not, I did not realize it'd be a year. And I have to say, I'm just so burned out. I am exhausted. I think all of us are, right? We've run out of adrenaline.
0: May 29th. Massive protests of the killing of another black man, George Floyd, by police. Massed crowds surging up the Capitol lawn. In Minneapolis, police arrested a black CNN reporter live on TV, then the producer, then the cameraman. They lay the camera down in the street, still running, and you could see black boots and trousers in a sideways angle of a burning building. This pandemic has revealed America's poisonous heart. White men in the gallery of the Michigan State Capitol strutting, slow, swinging their guns like extensions of their arms, free to do what they like.
1: Blackout Time Passes is written and produced by Ellen Graham and co-produced by me. I also provided sound design and some editing. Ellen Graham writes plays, screenplays, and narrative nonfiction. Her work has been produced in Chicago, Columbus, New York City, and in her hometown of Denver. That's here, where she's worked with many companies, including Buntport and Toto 2, Benchmark, Pandemic Collective, paragon and the denver center she is the founder of feral assembly a resident playwright and programming curator at theater 29 denver a co-founder a co-founder of shocking beyond belief films and a member of the dramatist guild of america to learn more about ellen and her work please visit www.feralassembly.com and if you'd like to get a hold of us Here at the show or anything else, you know, Low Orbit is on all the social media places you'd expect. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at Low Orbit Podcast. And we'll be back next week with episode two of Blackout Time Passes.